I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This episode of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 14th, 2018. All right, all right, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host this week. I'm here with none other than Jarrett McKenzie That's right. and DJ Barker. Hello, Mr. hello. Mr. Nichols himself. That's right. Yeah, how about that? He's, uh, I know it's right. radio, but let's paint a picture just for a second. DJ, that is the most awesome logger shirt I think I've ever seen. Thank you, sir. Did you do that just for Jared? I did. I knew Paul and County was representing here today, Perfect so I said, yeah, we need to put a logger shirt yeah. on. No, no doubt. It's yeah, a radio he, show. He, Jared's from way out in the sticks, and we do several <laughs> things that uh, make him feel country, at home. Some, uh, God's country, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to represent. Good Lord. Uh, misrepresent. Misrepresent, Troy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on now. Anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I do appreciate the fact that you uh, – Made Jarrett feel a bit more at home. I got got to do it. It's, it's going to be a fantastic show. show today. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, Absolutely. it always is. You tuned you in on the right day. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Um, so, uh, guys, uh, what in the world is going on with our stock market? It's, we're, we're, it's oh, up man. huge this week. Yeah. Point two eight percent in the last five days. Massive energy. gains. Energy has hit it big. So what's up going on with energy? Um, maybe a little turmoil in the Middle East. Uh, it always. Uh, That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, Driving I think it, it was uh, Wednesday of this week. We had uh, we had news out of we got stuff coming out of Syria, but now we've got Israel kicking up uh, against some Iranian-backed uh, rebels. Um, I think crude oil was up. This is uh, West Texas Intermediate. Now, we're not talking about North Brent, North Sea crude or any of that, but West Texas Intermediate was up 2% in that one day. Wow. Uh, watch out. You know the pumps are going to get <laughs> yeah, get a bit coming. of a shock, too. Well, it's so. coming right uh, summer driving season. Well, that, yeah. too. But, I mean, when they have <laughs> coming up. when mm-hmm. they have price shocks like that. Yeah. Um, yeah it's just going to make it even worse. Yep. No doubt. Yep. Uh, so uh, energy up 3.34%. On the week, uh, utilities down, negative uh, yeah. 2.72%. That's usually a sign, especially with real estate down as well, 2.5%. Uh, and consumer staples down 1.16. Uh, you would expect something's going on with some interest rates. Uh, we have seen a slight flattening of the curve on the, the last week. And when I say the curve, I mean the yield curve, meaning that uh, shorter maturity interest rates, the two-year Mm-hmm. I think was up uh, three and a half basis points, which is 0.035%. Um, and then we had uh, about the same magnitude, but a, a weakening or a, a decline in the longer term interest rate. So about a seven basis point move altogether relative to uh, the two versus the 10 year. So, you think that's um, what's been driving a lot of that downward pressure on the consumer staples this year? I mean, it's surprising yeah. that 
in an economy that's doing so well. I mean, it makes sense that interest rates might be driving it down, but seven and a half percent year to date in negative territory. Yeah. Well, just, here's the thing, Jared. Those three, uh, those three areas: consumer staples, real estate, and utilities. As we just said, are, are negative, but quite often you see that uh, those actually provide stability in times of turmoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little weird as much volatility as we've had. Yeah. Uh, it Right off the jump when, when we saw that first bit of volatility right at the end of January, 1st of February, uh, everything seemed to sell off, bonds included. Uh, but, you know, in the, in the days since then that we've seen uh, equities decline, We've seen uh, utilities generally decline less. Um, in fact, what do we got year to date? Um, yeah, here's the story. Consumer staples down 7.5%. It yeah, is man. really strange. Well, that's yeah. what's been so surprising because I would have thought it held up pretty well during, you know, like well, you said, create some of that stability that's needed sure. during all this volatility. Yeah, usually yeah. where you find growth is going to be in your your more uh, business cycle sensitive uh, mm-hmm. stocks. So information technology year to date is up five and a half percent. Consumer discretionary, another one of those that do well uh, when the business cycles on an upswing uh, is up 3.6 percent. Financials up slightly 0.53. Everything else is negative. Mm-hmm. But as you said, Staples is down seven and a half percent. To be honest with you, uh, with the volatility we've got, it to me is just a buying opportunity. Yeah, I think uh, except for the infotech, right? I was going to say the, the really year. Go? Right. Well, you know? I mean, earnings in information technology have done quite well, and we yeah. talked about that a lot on the show uh, last year. They were up 38 mm-hmm. percent, and uh, during that period, earnings in the uh, uh, the year overall were up like 22 percent. I mean, that's amazing earnings growth yeah. uh, in a one year period. So. Um, it's pretty well supported then. I yeah, guess. it is. But you, you said know, before, you look at, it's pretty expensive too, though, right? I mean, it's it's gotten expensive, but you know, I've talked a lot about this too. And we look at valuation in the market all the time. Uh, at its peak, the S and P 500 was about 42 percent premium to its uh, long-term average price-to-earnings ratio. The PE uh, has uh, the long-term average is about 16.5. Uh, right now, it's a little over 21, like 21.4. Uh, you look at uh, information technology, especially when you look. I mean, there, there's a lot of growth in there. It's been a huge driver of growth over the last 20 years. In fact, you look uh, to the uh, early 1990s, and it was only a little more than 5% of the overall S&P 500. Would you chance really? to guess at what it is today? I think I've said this before on the show, but uh, how much do you think S&P 500 is made up by information technology? Just a wild guess. Man, it's I know be... you watch this stuff, so this is kind of a stump the pro. <laughs> That's right. What did you say it was back then? Uh, a little over five, somewhere between five and six, five about five and a half, we'll call gosh, it. Gosh, between the, the Googles and the Index, or the, the Apples and the, the, gosh. Yeah. It's got to be 20, 25%. It's 26. Wow. Yeah, it's 26.5% today. Good Lord. Think of how much growth has been uh, you know, engendered from that. Yeah. I mean, early 90s, we didn't have a desktop computer. We've gone through multiple generations of the types of computers that we like to use. Mm-hmm. I still love my desktop. But uh, prior to that, think about it. What, what did we do? We used a pen and <laughs> pencil to, to create balance sheets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to create income statements. Uh, any, um, you know, database was more or less your Can't using the old pen and done. pencil. 
I, well, very little did. I mean, if you yeah. look at the uh, the increase in productivity that we had uh, through the middle 90s, and not only that, what did we have, like five years of uh, 20-plus percent growth in the S&P 500? Mm-hmm. That's where technology caught up a lot. But uh, over the last year, year and a half, uh, that percentage uh, of the total index has grown significantly. So, uh, you know, you think about it, it, it is kind of bewildering to the mind, but um, – when in reality, you, then you talk about earnings and how, right. you know where do people money goes where it's treated best. Well, I think uh, that's that's precisely the reason, at least part of the conversation I've been having with clients of of why things seem to be trailing these benchmarks, right? Because it, it does make make up such a larger percentage sure. these days and is doing as well as it has been. As we said, you know, uh, year over year, it's up almost thirty three percent. So uh, when you have that large of a percentage of something like that doing that well then, yeah, it's going to skew the, the benchmark a bit, I would say. Yeah, and, and you're right. Yeah. And and this is – you're basically saying the S&P 500, it's not really surprising that it's bigger than its long-term average, right? right. Because 26% of it now is made up of information technology, which doesn't look too out of whack among its peers but then or among its own history. Yeah. But then you look at, at the overall index, which has been now dominated by that more expensive uh, sector, and, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it makes a little bit of sense why the S&P 500 might look a little more expensive than it has in years past. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we got uh, some economic information out this week, and uh, most of it's focused on inflation. So producer price index uh, up 2.9%. That's actually a pretty big jump and uh, more than we would have expected. Uh, if you look at final demand services, uh, they accounted for 70% of the increase in the March PPI. So uh, um, all things considered, there's not too many folks fearing this, and it's not the main uh, indicator, obviously, producer price index. Consumer price index is the one that we watch a little more closely. Yeah. Uh, this is basically a basket of goods, the cost of a basket of goods uh, that we as consumers uh, would consume Year-over-year uh, year growth, 2.1%. In our last couple of months, it's been 1.8%. So this is an increase, and this is the core. So after you strip out energy and food, which tend to be very volatile, it's why we uh, take those away, um, you got 2.1% um, expansion in pricing in the month of March. Um, Seems like uh, energy prices were a bit of a drag, um, but uh, everything else – you know, it was up a little bit. Uh, the Fed's target is 2%, has been for a while. I think their last PCE deflator, which actually comes out in tandem with the GDP, gross domestic product, uh, which last month uh, we got our first estimate. No, earlier this month we got our first estimate at 2.9% in the first quarter. Um, and uh, that PCE deflator was at 1.8%. So, uh, still below target. We also heard from the Fed this week, uh, who basically is talking like uh, they're going to keep a steady, Stay on track. yeah, steady growth. Uh, options markets telling us we've got uh, uh, one more interest rate increase in June, and then another in September, and there's not another on the radar, which only goes out to early 2019. So, uh, be interesting to see exactly what we get. Um, but uh, they also said they weren't worried about tariffs. Y'all stick around. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a dog of the week and answer a few questions. You're listening to Money Talks.
All right, this week we got a dog of the week. It's actually more of a concept than it is uh, anybody individually. So uh, this week, uh, Goldman Sachs analyst, a research analyst uh, covering biotechnology, came out and made a statement. Uh, actually asked the question, is uh, curing patients a sustainable business model? And they were talking about Gilead science, sciences uh, specifically and uh, talking about the fact that Gilead has come out with something that's actually great for society. They have come out with a cure for hepatitis C. Oh. Um, and they've, they've been, you know, this has been a couple of years in the making. Um, but what winds up happening is when you cure your patient pool, you have fewer and fewer patients. You have less and less growth opportunity in that drug. And, uh, I mean, it, it speaks of motivations for companies to focus their, their um, research their on, in biotechnology and other technologies as well uh, on something that might actually present an awesome outcome for societies and uh, maybe not so good a outcome for them. Uh, you know, during the during the early stages of this, we actually went out and recommended to our clients to buy Gilead Sciences because the stock market treated the company so badly. Um, but, th I mean, think about this. There are people out there who believe that uh, this is one of the reasons that we have no cure for cancer, that it's uh, it, it would destroy. It's bad for business. Yeah. That's uh, precisely yeah. what this guy is saying. It's bad for business to to cure it because you can't continue to to make it. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I, do you ever sit around and think about these things? It's uh, it's unsettling. Well, there's enough I think out there to cure, right? So if you you know, you sure. So you plenty. knock one off the tree. I mean, there's still how many more things to cure? <laughs> That's yeah. right. I, I don't. I don't. Well, there should well, be a shortage of things, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe this increases the. Hepatitis C diagnoses when there's a cure all of a sudden, so people well, aren't as careful. You know, it is <laughs> you know? a it is a disease that uh, it actually is passed through human transmission. So mm -hmm. uh, when you cure one case, you actually prevent many others potentially. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, when you've got that, obviously cancer's not in that that realm. Mm -hmm. But uh, he did uh, throw out maybe three solutions to this uh, this issue. He said uh, maybe you address large markets like hemophilia with nine to ten billion dollars in worldwide uh, need. Uh, maybe you address disorders with high incidences like spinal muscular atrophy, uh, or look at uh, constant innovation and portfolio extend, uh, expansion, which you guys have both. Kind of that's where y'all went. Uh, hundreds of inherited retinal diseases, things that there, there's plenty of uh, maladies, I guess we could call them, that need to be cured. And, and uh, uh, biotech, biopharma could actually help a lot in those regards. But uh, to me, just the very fact that uh, that business has to sit around and think about ways to be profitable and uh, the fact that it could impact how we spend our research dollars uh, it's it's kind of a you know not not the most altruistic thought, right? Uh, well, I think as far as cancer goes, I mean, if if you that's a naturally occurring disease, right? I mean, yeah, maybe there's contributing factors to that, but as be. long as people are still continuing to get it on a regular basis instead of something like hepatitis C, that you know, I guess hypothetically you could eliminate at some point. That's the hope. There'd still be some room, you know, to, for businesses to make money. And so hopefully that, you know, what we said earlier is not the case and businesses are simply not coming out with a cure because it would be bad for business. 
uh, maybe that's just a little bit tougher, hopefully. But, yeah. you know, something like that might make a little more sense just because I don't think you're ever going to get rid of something like that totally right. if it is something that's right. naturally occurring. Right. right? Well, so, and it's not the very first uh, time that we've had something, a, a disease, a, a hideous disease that's been wiped out, uh, you know, over the last hundred years. Remember polio, I'm sure yeah. you've probably yeah, heard of it, but who do, you, who do you run into that's had about with uh, polio these days because we have uh, ways to inoculate against it. There's, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we've basically cured polio. Yeah. Uh, the one I know they will not cure because it's um, uh, any mammal can ever have it is uh, rabies. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear about that even locally, uh, stories lately about rabid raccoons yeah. and things of that nature. So uh, you'd almost have to... <laughs> inoculate every wild animal on the planet in order to get rid of something like that. But, hey, you know, you can put it in the water source if you could. <laughs> Maybe you want to solve a major issue, cure that one. Yeah. yeah but really. uh, anyway, just uh, just one of those, it's more of a deep thought to me. Um, but, uh, you know, I hate the way that uh, we get ourselves into these kind of things. And when I say we, I mean humanity in general, you know, where we think of uh, ways to motivate since the profit motive is obvious in uh, my daily work, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those things that I like to sit around and ponder. Um, but uh, this is this is a, the bad side of it, I guess. Yeah, right. but it'll come back. History always repeats itself, right? So you cure something, put it on the shelf for a little while. That's right. hundred years, it'll be back. You can use it again and again. Knock the dust off and go again. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's hope not. But. Uh, all right, guys, so uh, we got a situation we wanted to talk about this week, and basically it centers around tax law selling, but uh, really it's about the market decline and the fact that it actually presents an opportunity. Uh, right. When we talk about investing, um, you know, there's the tax man at the end of the game is always standing with his hand out. He's mm-hmm. going to get paid whether anyone else does or not. Uh, and, you know, you can you can soothe your mental <laughs> Uh, state by saying well, he only takes a portion he's not going to get it all right. so uh, you know whatever gains you made a large portion of them are yours uh, but nobody likes the fact that uh, of having an uninvited guest at their party right <laughs> um, but uh, in reality the market decline does present an opportunity and when we think about this we're, we're actually it's a planning issue uh, where we consider uh, the fact that there's more to planning than just the investing side. There are ways that we can lower tax dollars, even in years when we actually make pretty good gains. Yeah. yeah, it's extremely relevant right now, too. I mean, if you think about going back to the last segment when we are talking about the information technology sector and how much it's grown, chances are your portfolio, if you've not already rebalanced, is pretty far out of line in that regard because right. it's grown so much, right? And so if you've got a target for that sector or companies within that sector, I would imagine that those companies are overweight or that sector is overweight at this point. And so, you know, taxes aside, you need to keep your portfolio in line if you wanted to perform as you were hoping to when you put that investment strategy in place. And so if you have rebalanced, which you should be, given you know how much run-up we've seen uh, in that sector in particular, that's probably going to cause you some capital gains given the way the past couple of years has gone. I mean, most people are going to have quite a few gains, and that's been some – uh, that's created some reluctance on the cl- on the part of our clients just because sure and our clients sell it. Yeah. our clients are no different they're human beings right. like everybody else exactly. I mean you you look at these things and who wants to lose money nobody right but um, you know what the market's run up so much I'm finally able to convince more and more of these folks to start trimming and rebalancing their portfolio and what's what's 
happening when we do that? Well, you're taking these gains, and so they're starting out a year when typically we, we might avoid it during the beginning of the year because of this, this newfound volatility in the market. It's created yeah. uh, a, a bit of a sense of urgency to go ahead and start rebalancing and getting things back in line. And so we've got a number of clients who already have a good bit of capital gains for the year. That being the case, we already have this insight as to, okay, how much do we need to tax loss harvest if there are opportunities to do so? What's going to make sense and, and make it worthwhile, uh, given what we know already, instead of looking back over the course of the entire year when maybe I would say in the past it's been more common that we would tax loss harvest. Uh, we're really looking at this as an opportunity to offset some of these gains that maybe you've taken already as a result of uh, rebalance in your portfolio. Uh, and it's just great timing to do so because now you, you're going to have what's left. I mean, we've got maybe seven months left in the year that we can still take advantage of given fluctuations in the market. Uh, and so, you know, given that, given that there's not been a lot of fundamental change, I think you would agree a lot sure. of this volatility is been created by news, right? Well, news, and I think I think valuation actually has led mm. into it. And when when the market was expensive as it was at the end of January, it was real easy to convince yourself, as you're saying, uh, Jarrett. Uh, it's real easy to convince yourself. Hey, you know what? Let me take a little off the table. I, I know mm. we've got these huge gains, uh, but when the prices get a little bit crazy, it's it's uh, easy right. enough to say. And we've been preaching it too. I mean, rebalance, yeah. rebalance, rebalance. And I still say it's time to rebalance yeah. if you haven't done. Already. Well, it's created that sense of urgency. Like I've said, when, when the markets are just rising, 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 and that's all we're seeing for you sure. know, those weeks and weeks where it was just up, 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 it's like nobody's wanting to sell anything at that point because they feel like they're giving things up. But when the market's swinging, you know, the Dow anyways, four, five, six, seven hundred points a day, it's like, okay, maybe this is a good time, at least an uncomfortable time where I'd like to go ahead and start taking that and have a more of a willingness to do so. Yeah, and, I, you know, we probably ought to talk about operationally how this all goes. Um, you know, Jarrett and DJ, when uh, somebody is selling for tax losses, do they sell the whole position? I mean, if you've got, uh, if you've got a position in that beaten down consumer staples sector, uh, you might have five or six different tax lots, meaning that you've bought it at multiple different times along the way, and some of your tax lots have gains while others have losses. And it, uh, you know, if you look at it at a more granular level, it gives you ways that you can still take losses, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Instead of having to dive in all at once. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I need to check with one of our CPAs, and we'll talk about this more when we come back, but I don't know if you can specify – the lots anymore that you want to sell that may have been a change with a new tax law so we'll, we'll check on that and get back to you guys on that piece yeah all right well let's take a real quick break and uh, when we get back we'll finish this subject out talk a little more about tax loss harvesting and how you might lower your tax bill stick around you're listening to money talks Into money talks. We're going to come in with a little bit of smooth criminal. I'm not really calling the IRS bad names, but hey, you know what? Like I said, they always want yeah, their cut. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's Troy Harmon here on Money Talks with uh, DJ Barker and none other than Jarrett McKenzie. 
Our Glad friend, you held back there. Our, our you know friend from the sticks. Alder <laughs> County representation. Once yeah. again, we refer to it as God's country. You need to get it right, okay? We're yeah, not going to be I, on here I, disrespecting. Yeah, I mean, I, just because somebody doesn't call you by your proper name doesn't mean they're disrespecting you. Uh, these folks from the woods, I tell oh, you, they've they got weird notions. But uh, we love him anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he's, he's like, you know, the cousin oh. from the... Don't you own some property in Paulding? Uh, yes. Yeah, I thought yeah, you did. I own property. It's because you're a smart man. That's why. Uh, right. I don't blame you one bit. Yeah. You're saying Paulding is a great place to be from? It is. It is. Well, I'm not from Paulding. Yeah. Proud to live in Paulding. Oh, okay. You're you're but currently immersed in the in the culture. Yeah. I'm not allowed to go to Paulding. I don't have a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does not have clearance. That shirt gets you. You <laughs> might make it through the border. I can walk. I can park my car and walk. Walk in. Yeah, yeah. walk in. I can't drive it. You couldn't show up with a, a Audi or whatever. Yeah. I mean, no way. No. Uh, you'd be better off riding a bike. All right. Uh, so when we last left, we were talking about uh, taxes and, and uh, how to manage taxes through tax loss harvesting. Let me throw out a way that you can contact us if you have questions about this or really any other financial concept. Uh, we'd love to answer them on, on the air. Uh, you can call us and get a real person at 770-429-9166. Uh, you can call our question hotline, wherein you can leave a message. We'll play it back on the air and answer the question that you have right behind it. That would be 1-855-429-9166. And you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, or you could go to our website, Hensler.com, and uh, find probably lots of uh, con- uh, questions to your more generic question, uh, answers to your more generic questions, easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> I guess my tongue got tied when I was mm-hmm. trying to make fun of Jarrett, but uh, <laughs> maybe all that's in the past, and uh, we'll just move on from Karma here, right? Karma is quick. It's quick. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, again, let's, uh, let's back up and... and cover that concept yeah. so you don't have to sell out a whole position so you could still be exposed in the manner that you wish uh although after 30 31 days you want to make sure you don't get in that tax wash right. uh, wash sale, yeah. sale 31 days issue mm-hmm. uh so you you stay away from whatever position you sold for that long but mm-hmm. let's back up and talk again about it i mean you you over the course of multiple years if you had a stock that was recommended in your portfolio one that you wanted to hold uh, you bought multiple times. Maybe you had dividends build up and, you know, it got a little bit behind. You you purchased it to shore up. You had a deposit in your account, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're all talking about brokerage accounts, right, these taxable accounts that we're dealing right. with. Um, yeah, you, tax you loss harvesting won't do you any good in an IRA. No, no it's not going to work there. we any ideas. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, in, in the end, and I think sometimes that's a good thing to say because, <laughs> you know, most people are yeah. investing through an IRA, I would true. think. True, true. Um, which, I mean, tax loss harvesting, there's no reason to deal with it mm-hmm. in an IRA. You just rebalance and move on. Right. Um, but, uh, Jared, you want to flesh it out? How does this actually work? Yeah, I mean, work? kind of just going back to what, what we said, you know, in the previous segment to end it, uh, the, the, the bill, the new tax law, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, at first did have a provision in there in which you could not specify certain lots to be sold for a loss if, as Troy was mentioning, You've got different lots that you've purchased over time for whatever reason. Uh, but fortunately for us all, that provision did not make it into the final bill, and so you can still specify the lots in which you'd like to sell. And in doing so, 
Uh, you don't have to exit the entire position, but you also cannot buy back that position and still recognize any loss that you take when you do so uh, within 31 days, as DJ mentioned. And so uh, what, what that allows you to do is take that loss, maybe against some of these gains from the rebalance earlier in the year, as we talked about earlier, uh, and, and offset some of that. Uh, so that your tax liability for the year is lower. Uh, and, and, you know, frankly, throughout the year, especially within the past couple of years, there's not been a whole lot of opportunity uh, to do this because the market has been up, up, up. And that's really why we're saying that some of this volatility with there being sudden losses all of a sudden, uh, particularly with people that are putting new money to work in the market and maybe have made a large deposit recently and, and have experienced some true losses as a result of that and are not just dialing back some of those gains from investments they've held in the portfolio for a while, uh, it's really going to give you an opportunity to uh, harvest some of those losses so that you can take that benefit or use it as a benefit while still having the intention of buying that position back, assuming it's it's still a viable investment and you'd want to do so uh, at least 31 days later. So yeah, we do that for our clients. You know, I think it's important. You don't wait for third or fourth quarter. I mean, right. we look at this all year. Sure. If yeah. there's an opportunity, Anytime. yeah, If we, we, we may love the stock, but if it's an opportunity to sell it, you know, realize that loss for taxable reasons, we want to do that. And we want to look at that often, not just, mm-hmm. okay, here it is, November, let's look at losses now yeah. that the year is almost over. No doubt. And, uh, you know, when we're in the middle of this conversation, it, it occurs to me that, uh, you know, there's been a real big push to uh, passive investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically what that means is instead of owning individual pieces, individual stocks within a bigger index, you just only hold in index through an ETF. Now, think about what's happened in 2017. We had a stock market that was up 21.8%. Um, if you bought it the first of 2017, market you know went up, uh, went up seven more percent in January of this year. And then we started hitting some of the, that volatility. Well, guess what? If you only bought the one time, uh, you don't have any opportunity for, for selling for uh, tax losses. Uh, but if you had individual securities and you were investing all along, yeah. uh, the way this generally works, you're going to have bigger opportunities to manage your tax situation that you wouldn't have if all you have is a single security, which is an ETF, an S&P 500 ETF, yeah. or you know various others. There's a lot of indices out there that folks use in their portfolios, which brings me to another point. When we talk about that, we're talking about different asset classes, and that's kind of an allocation decision. So right. you you put your monies in various um, asset classes. You you are said to have allocated your portfolio. When we're talking about the difference between a rebalance and a reallocation, DJ, you want to throw that out, just how exactly that works? Yeah, I mean, you know, what you want to do is, is you know, a lot of times, obviously, it's the, the, the question of tax loss. The second thing is, why would you want to sell something, you know, that's, you know, IT, because it's up 30%. Why would you want to sell it when it's done so so well to buy something that's down 5%, 6%, 7%, what, whatever it may be? Um, because, quite frankly, it's not always going to be up 32%, and it's not always going to be down 7%. Right. Um, you know, it's important to, to take note and, and to, to strategically move your position, you know, at, at those opportune times. Yeah. Yeah, we certainly don't want the uh, performance, the good performance of a sector to drive whether or not, you know, we are willing to sell something. And that's why we have target weightings, right, right. like we talked about sure. earlier. I mean, trying – and that's really the reason why you rebalance because – 
presumably you you've got a position that you want to try and keep the portfolio in a, a tolerance if you will right. and and as things happen in the market this is why we help our clients with the review of their their employer sponsored retirement accounts as well cuz oftentimes what'll happen is we're implementing a strategy uh, on, the, on the accounts that we're managing for them here, and, you know, there, something else is happening with the employer-sponsored account, and it's going off in a different direction, and then things don't line up. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very important to keep things in line, which, again, is why we rebalance and is probably what has caused some of these taxes we're trying to offset now. And that's really the reason behind having the show about this today is because you shouldn't see this volatility as, as much of a negative thing as much as you should uh, an opportunity, in my opinion, because – you know, as I've been saying to a lot of clients, we we are not seeing the fundamental changes. Granted, there have been some things, as you said, Troy, the flattening of the yield curve. And, sure. Yeah, uh, we and, watch those closely. Yeah, exactly. But I, as far as the, the unemployment rate goes and, and CPI and what the Fed's doing, I, these are all things that still remain relatively healthy and in yeah. line. Yeah. Earnings certainly don't seem to be uh, having you know, or, or having been largely affected by anything sure. that's going on. So the volatility is, is more more or less being created by a lot of the news in the market. And, you know, you might as well take advantage of it instead of worrying about it and and really take some of these losses if you've got some to take and try to offset any gains that maybe you've taken already because of the, the rebalancing you've done so far this year. Yeah, some of the analysts in the market I'm I'm reading these days are talking about uh, how, you know, we haven't even seen the first quarter of earnings after we've seen a huge change in our tax laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still telling us that you better brace yourself. We're about to be hit with an earnings season that could be bigger than we've seen in a long time. This is on the heels of the fourth quarter, which gave us 14.5% earnings growth in that one quarter. Um, it, you know, we're, we're still looking at a market that's showing us that uh, we're probably, it's indicating, these are expectations obviously, not reality yet, but 29% earnings growth in 2018. Wow. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's cooked in right now, but uh, to me, there's there's plenty to support uh, growth. There's, there's plenty of reasons to believe that we will have uh, some follow-on that's going to be really solid, um, you know, coming into the rest of 2018. So. Great news. Yeah. Well, guys, let's uh, take a real quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Yeah. Care somebody coming back in like that? What? The, yeah, we're back. No, no, no. The, the music. music. Yeah. Well, the music. Coming in hot. Yeah, I know. We gotta take it easy. We're easing into the fourth segment here, guys. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Winding um, it down. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with uh, none other than DJ Barker. That's right. That's right. And also joined by. G- Jarrett. <laughs> That's right. I'm Jarrett back. McKenzie. He's uh, he's one of those guys. I'm sure he's going to be a star one day. He'll he'll be the next one named star. You know, it's like I Madonna. I think so. I don't have the Madonna, time, man. These Jarrett. five kids are taking up all my time. I can't. Uh, well, hey, man. Maybe man, you'll be man. like Super Dad. Not in my Super Dad. I, I mean, Look. you've done it more times than I have already. Yeah. You've Plus, peaked definitely. You got to leave Paulding to become famous, and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, who would want to do that? Um, 
But uh, let's take all a right. few questions. We've talked about all kind of things today. Let's answer some questions from our listeners. Uh, if you want to provide us with your questions, uh, you can contact us, uh, 770-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. Uh, let's go right to Dominic from Kennesaw. He says, I've been looking for a new long-term position in the technology sector. Who's not? Uh, that isn't boring like old IBM. I've been watching First Solar Inc. for a while, and uh, while I've probably missed my chances of buying it uh, at its low, several articles I've read said it's poised to go higher. What do you think of this stock? Um, you know, when I look at this, uh, we just talked about this. You know, it's so easy to buy in the sector that seems to be on fire. Right. Uh, There's a whole sector up 38% last year. First Solar, by itself, uh, gained a lot more than that, 155%. Is that all? That's all. And uh, oh, in the last goodness. 12 months, that's as of, you know, this week, 155.5%, 12-month total return, uh, just really nuts. Year-to-date, it's up 5.6%, right in line with the, the uh, technology sector. Um, but when I look a little deeper, I'm looking at a estimated PEG, a PEG ratio, which is the forward PE divided by the expected growth rate, that's 5.8. Usually I like to see that down around a 1. Uh, this means that First Solar looks it's really expensive. expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. You look at the price-to-earnings ratio at 23.39. It's more or less in line with its peers, but, uh, you know, when you when you look at all that's going on with the security, it doesn't pay a dividend. The return on assets is relatively low at 4.7 uh, return on earnings. Negative? I mean, gosh. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's. you look at all the details, uh, revenue. Now, revenue like this is not uh, normal within the sector, but over the last three years, their systems have fallen 2.29% in revenue. Almost 10% has gone out of the components side of things. Yeah, solar is uh, one of those buzzwords, but it's a buzzword from yesterday, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 7.4% is what's expected uh, in earnings uh, over the next three to five years. However, the five-year earnings growth for this company, negative 15.88%. I really think that you could be stepping in front of a slow-moving train if uh, if you tried to buy this right now. I would avoid First Solar personally. So uh, there you have it, guys. It's uh, yep. Like I say, it's it's one of those things. I, you know, we just talked about this. Um Folks don't want to sell out of the sector that seems hot. Mm-hmm. You know, here's here's uh, one of those securities that's right in the middle of it. Well, Dominic, we don't blame you for being attracted to it in hindsight. I mean, anything oh, that's yeah. done as well, it is. You know, that, I think that's our instinct, and that's one of the reasons that you, you hire an advisor, right? Is right. to get rid of that emotional, uh, I guess, intuition that you sort of want to flock to when you see things doing so well and. That's uh, generally not going to be the way to go. Yeah, this this actually is yeah, it is a very human concept to look at something. Oh wow, look how well it's done over the last year. Maybe it's time to get in. I don't want to miss any more. Uh, Doctor Gene often says, you know, it's it's gone up like crazy. Let's hurry up and get in before it goes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a backward concept, but that's exactly what we did as a nation, as an investor group, as a whole uh, back during. 99, 2000, when uh, we created for ourselves a tech bubble. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to get in, and what they want to buy? Well, anything with .com on the back of it because it was nuts. Uh, I, I remind you, we're not that far off of the more recent bubble, which, uh, you know, a 1,300% gain will get you all excited. Actually, I think it was 1,700 at its peak. Uh, Bitcoin, yeah, just in 2017, the year-end total, 1,300% gain in uh, Bitcoin alone. Guess what? Since uh, December, I think it's the 18th of uh, 2017, mm-hmm. Bitcoin has fallen precipitously, over 60% decline. Wow. Ouch. Makes, I mean, makes you, the volatility in the stock market look not, not quite so bad. Right. But I mean, <laughs> Unless you're investing in that. Here's, yeah, here's, then, you're, then you're crying. Yeah. Here's one of the things that I always like to ask folks, you know, we, I, you know, at work, let's, mm-hmm. let's say. Did, uh, did you guys drive to work this morning looking through your rearview mirror? Did not. Did no. not. Would you ever? No. My no. glance at it a time or two. But. Yeah, yeah, but it's only to see if somebody's about to <laughs> run into you, right? <laughs> That's right. It's uh, it's not to see where you go unless you're in reverse, mm-hmm. uh, and you're not going to try to go into reverse in your investments. So, uh, you know, look at the fundamentals. Uh, consider what's happening next, not what's already happened, and uh, a price increase is not an indication that it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's really my two cents on that one, guys. We got uh, another one here. DJ, you got that question? Oh yes, we do. Arthur from uh oh Hiram. Yeah. Can we, can we, we just take a moment to congratulate Art on living in the most beautiful county in the state of Georgia? On I his, mean, that's well done on, on purchasing decisions. that home, Art. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, and the, the fact that. Um, Jarrett lives in relative close proximity to you. Is probably making your property values increase. You're right. Um, I I would say astronomical. By the okay. end of the day, you're probably going to be a wealthy man. Fastest growing county in Atlanta. Wow. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize you included Alton County in Atlanta. Up. Yeah, I thought that was a little outside, but hey. Well, look. Well, I thought well, I thought it was the fastest growing county in the Birmingham region, but uh, maybe. I'm, <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know about them folks over there in Alabama, man. They're all too country for me. I'll tell you this. I got a lot of connections over in Birmingham (laughs) myself, and I I love the folks over there. They're hardworking people. They are. No doubt. All right, so let's get to his question. Uh, I'm watching the market, and Trump tweeted that our relations with Russia were the worst, and Moscow should get ready for a U.S. missile strike on Syria. The market drops 200. He basically feels that... uh, you know, why should he put his money in the market if Trump is out there tweeting? Uh, you know, what are the reaction? What, what What's going to happen if he's tweeting? Yeah. Well, why invest? It, he, he's proven he's, to. He's uh, moving the market. Exactly. Right? Well, he's, he's very much a market mover, but it's not yeah, moving well, the valuations, though, right? Uh, well, I mean, they're they're getting a little better. Uh, you know, earnings are doing their part. Um, right. You know, 14.5% gain in the fourth quarter. Actually, we'll, uh, we'll normalize some markets yeah. as long as we had some sideways movement. And I'll be honest with you, I think I said this in 2017, it would be just fine with me if market move, markets moved sideways for a little while. Um, but, you know, geopolitical turmoil can cause upheaval in the markets. Mm-hmm. I think really as much of what we've been seeing is uh, tariff talk, which seems to right. be getting pushed further and further away. Uh, you know, we have worries when... Uh, folks are afraid that we're going to go attack Syria and Russia's going to stand up for them. You know, what does this get us in the middle of? It's hard to say. Um, I've read stories where uh, Russia's been successfully uh, scrambling the GPS on a lot of our drones that we were going to use to go over and check out the situation uh, with these uh, these areas that have 
reportedly been um, bombed with uh, nerve agents. Um, you know, it's it's really difficult to say exactly what the market looks at, but mm-hmm. I will assure you that valuation is very important. Yeah. Earnings are very important. Those kind of things are more important to the market than uh, most geopolitical um, turmoil. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, you know, you have the, the news telling us that Trump was basically too cozy with the Russians mm-hmm. to get elected, and now he's acting like he's... Uh, doesn't want a part of him at all. I don't know. I mean, you know, you kind of get the feeling that uh, that the market doesn't really take its cues from yeah. our president every so, single day. I mean, look, Art, you try and look past what uh, what Trump's tweeting and all the stuff coming out from him and, and focus on what Troy's saying, you know, valuation, earnings, uh, stuff that is important and, and what is going to be truly meaningful. Yeah. Check the fundamentals. Fundamentals. I say the market's up this week. What do you guys say? I think it's going to go up. It's been up so much. It's got to go down, man. Oh, wow. That's Jerry. There you go. It wasn't me. Money Talks, we're out. Take care. See you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.